Thank you so much. Heavenly Father, we thank you for we thank you for this time of praise for our brothers and sisters who led us in praise tonight. Yet not I, but Christ in me. We thank you, Lord, for the Christ-filled life. We thank you for the opportunity we have to walk with you and to serve you. And we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this chance uh, in the middle of this summertime uh, experience we're having to come together and to look at your word and to encourage one another and to hear what you have to say to us. Tonight we, pres we present ourselves to you and we ask that you would forgive us of our sins and that you would help us that we might be truly disciples of yours and that we might fulfill what you've called us to do. We pray for that person or persons on our heart tonight. We're burdened for them. We present them to you tonight. We ask that the will of God would be done in their life and that you would glorify, that God would be glorified through whatever happens to them. We pray for them if they're sick. We pray for them if they've wandered away from God. We pray for them if they're lost and they need to be saved. We, so we come tonight, all of us in this room, and those who are watching, we gather together and we, we pause now to, uh, to present these to you that your perfect will might be done in their lives. We thank you for the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for salvation that is ours. Tonight, we thank you for the chance <clears throat> to look at the book of Philippians, the testimony of Paul the Apostle, as he seeks to remind us of what it means to truly walk with God and trust God for all the needs of life. So bless us now as we look at your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you who are here tonight. The outlines are here and also at the back if you'd like to pick one up. As we finish tonight, the book of Philippians. We've been in this uh, book for some time, and uh, I'm uh, glad we've had this opportunity to journey together and look at these words. So tonight we'll be looking at Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 10, and we'll finish through verse number 23. We've had some very important uh, truths that we've learned along the way. Uh, Paul, this is one of what we call the prison letters of Paul. Paul's in prison. Uh, again, I've talked to you about this before. Uh, we, we, we pray that God would use us for his purposes uh, in our world, that we could share the gospel in all the circumstances that all of us are facing in this room. Well, the reality is that here was one of God's choice men, and God had him in jail doesn't seem to be right, does it? It seems that the, the way you'd have it is he'd have everything he needs, he'd be on his way and would uh, carry out his work, but here we find Paul in prison. Uh, we don't know the details of uh, the length of time, but he wrote several of his letters from prison. Perhaps it was good that he was in prison or we might not have had these letters as they're given to us under inspiration and they are a blessing to us. So tonight in Philippians uh, chapter 4, we, we end this. I'm always sad when we finish uh, some part of God's Word, and I'm sad to uh, say goodbye to Philippians. Um, and I hope that it's been a blessing to you, it has been to me, uh, to share these truths with you each week. Let's read these words so that we can get our minds around them tonight. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 10. Paul's writing to the Philippian church, but I rejoiced. In the Lord greatly that now at last you have received your you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were 
concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I know also uh, how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit of God take these truths that we look at tonight and embed them in our life so that we might make a difference in the days that you've given us to live until you come again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, my focus tonight is, uh, I want to take uh, my approach tonight is to look at these words with a very interesting um, uh, twist. God provides for believers as they care for one another. This is what you find here in this description of Paul with what the, what the Philippian church was doing with Paul and ministering to them and how God was ministering to the Philippian church as they ministered to Paul. That's why I say God provides for believers as they care for one another. Let's look at the two, I would call them the two anchor verses uh, in this section. Verse uh, 13 is famous. Looking around in here tonight, knowing who's in here all of you, many of you just like me, you memorize this verse. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. That's Paul's testimony here about how he was able to endure and live with contentment in all of his circumstances. Sometimes these uh, words are used. I don't know if they're always appropriately used when we quote them, uh, but we must remember how Paul is using them here. He's using them to describe the secret of how he was able uh, to be content in all circumstances. It wasn't because he was some superman. It was because he learned how uh, to trust in the power of God. I can do all things uh, through Christ who strengthens me. I'll come back to that in a moment. But the other anchor verse is 4, 419. And my God shall supply all your needs according to... His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Look at, this, look at this. God provides for believers as they care for one another. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then here's the other verse. My God shall supply all your needs uh, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So there's something very special, very wonderful about the ministry we have toward one another. The ministry of the saints to one another. Why is it that the Lord said as he spoke to the disciples at the end, love one another? It's because at the end of the day, all God's people have are each other. That's it. All God's people have at the end of the day are each other. We don't have the world to count on. Uh, we don't have necessarily uh, our families because not all of our families walk with God. Uh, at the end of the day, we only have each other. So loving one another means that we learn to care for one another. And so Paul, he had such a joy for these Philippians. He says in verse 1, uh, my joy and my crown. He says in verse 4, as we know, it's one of the great themes of Philippians, rejoicing, joy in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You rejoice in the Lord when you have much. You rejoice in the Lord when you have little. You rejoice in the Lord when you're sick. You rejoice in the Lord when you're well. So here we find Paul now bringing back this whole matter of how God provided for him just what he needed in order to do his work. God provides for believers as we care for one another. You see, it's as I minister to others, God takes care of my needs. Uh, there is such a self-centered uh, form of American Christianity that it's all about me. Uh, there is, and I don't want to chase this too far, but it is, it, we find it in uh, the, the language people use in their prayer lives. We find it in the way they describe themselves in uh, what they need and all the sadness of their life. And, and uh, sadly, many Christians spend a lot of time putting things out in uh, the uh, Internet world and others read them about how sad their circumstances are. But you see, the reality is we're not the center of the world. The reality is that we're here to advance the gospel. We're here to share the gospel, all of you as well as me. Our job is to share the gospel. That's why I continually bring you back to one of the best verses in this. Uh, it's not a famous verse, but we've looked at it multiple times in Philippians 1.12. I want you to know, brethren, remember Paul's in jail. I want you to know, brethren, my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Tonight, God has you where you are in the circumstances you're in, in order for you to share the gospel. I was talking to one of uh, our men a few years ago who was having some great trouble and was sick. Was frustrated because he was at the doctor all the time and had to go into the hospital and was there for an extended period of time. He couldn't understand why God was going to do this to him. He couldn't understand why this was his situation, his circumstance. But when he got out, he realized what God had done. Now, this man was what I hope is true for all of us who are here in this room. I hope that none of us are afraid to share the gospel. I hope you're not afraid to share the gospel. Don't be afraid to share the gospel. As I say to you before, don't just tell people, be blessed. Say, may the Lord Jesus Christ bless you. 
say the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be a witness for him. But anyway, he was sharing uh, that God taught him a great lesson. Why was he in the hospital for those period of months? Because he had to, first of all, be in a room with a, another person. And lo and behold, they kept rolling them in, rolling them out, rolling them in, rolling them out. And he said, you know what, Brother Mike, I got to witness to 10 different men while I was laying in that hospital bed. Well, there you are. Now, hopefully God's not going to have to put you in the hospital to get you to witness for it. But here we see the point of our circumstances tonight. I'm in the room with you and all of you listening to us tonight. God bless you. We miss you. We wish you were here. Uh, but we're glad that you've joined us uh, electronically. But to all of you who are listening, all of us came in here tonight in our circumstances, didn't we? Uh, you probably don't like them always. You wish they were different. But Paul says, my circumstances turned out for the best for the gospel. Until we get to the point where we can say, my circumstances turn out best for the gospel, God's still got to do some work of breaking our will and our self-centeredness so that we might do what he's called us to do. So first we see here that God uses the the giving of believers for one another as they have opportunity. Look at this in verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now, look at this. Paul is, there's no, uh, there's no uh, U.S. Postal Service in these days. There's no, uh, there's no UPS. Uh, there's no, uh, uh, you know, Amazon. There's nobody to deliver things to him. He's in a, uh, Roman prison, we don't know the condition exactly at this time of uh, what shape he was in, the circumstances of his imprisonment. Uh, there's no electronic means to communicate. He's sent this letter. It takes time for it to be carried by hand to the church. And then through Epaphroditus, this one who was a part of the Philippian church, they've sent a gift to him. And now he rejoices. Oh, can you imagine the day that the gift from the Philippian church arrived for Paul? He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. You know, as you minister to other people, somebody can say the same thing to you. At last, at last, you have revived your concern for me. The joy that comes to a person when another believer takes the time to minister to them. Oh, I didn't really do anything. Well, how do you know what you did? It might have been just a phone call. It might have been you took them to a, uh, an appointment they had. You might have taken them some food. You may have done whatever it may be that you've done. Uh, you just went and saw them and spent time with them. You called them on the phone. You wrote them a note. Uh, you, you took care of some uh, expense they had. You went and sat with them when they were in uh, sadness. Listen to the words of a man who was experiencing and receiving ministry from other brothers and sisters in Christ. At last, at last, 
You have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. You see, believers, uh, we must share with one another as we have opportunity. And some of you in this room, you have an opportunity right now. You're in a position right now. The opportunity is for you that you could find someone else in this church and do ministry to them. You don't have to make a big announcement about it. Just go do it. Go do your ministry to one of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of you have the opportunity. You have the resources. You have the time. You have the opportunity. This is for everybody in this room, everybody listening to me. This is what this church must be about. Ministering to one another in our afflictions and our circumstances. But you've got to search them out. At last. At last, you have revived your concern for me. Perhaps there have been some times when Paul wondered, well, what's going to happen to me? Will I have enough? I don't know what, the, I don't know what this is. I don't know if it's a financial, you know, all kinds of speculation by those who have uh, studied the Word of God. Is it is a financial gift? Is it a, is it a combination of financial gifts and, and clothing and and food, there's, there's not much to eat in a Roman prison. It's not like prison in America. It's a rather meager, hard existence. So God uses the giving of believers or the ministry of believers to one another as they have opportunity. I'm asking you tonight, has God put somebody on, in your path as a part of this church I appreciate you calling me and I'll do my part. I will. I mean it. I sincerely mean it. I'll do, I'll do whatever you call and ask me to do. I will. But it's not just me. It's all of us. It's the Philippian church that did this. It's all of these believers. At last, at last, you didn't forget about me. That's what Paul's saying. At last. So they couldn't be with him. They were separated from him. They weren't able to be in the, in the same place with him. They sent their representative, Epaphroditus. Paul's trying to send Timothy back to them. There's all this back and forth between these representatives to try to encourage one another. And, and Timothy's going to take this letter back to them. But I want, I'm, I'm laboring here. I'm lingering here in order to make a point. If you have opportunity to minister to somebody in this church, do it. They're waiting. And God may have pointed you, appointed you the one to do the ministry to them. Just like God sent Epaphroditus as the representative. Well, secondly, believers must learn the spiritual discipline of contentment in all their circumstances. Now we're back to circumstances. On Wednesdays at noonday, on in the time in the Word uh, thing that I do, I invite you to do that. Look at that if you can. If you're not able to join us uh, live, you can always go out and look at it on uh, on uh, the websites. But uh, I'm trying to talk about persisting under pressures, and that's what circumstances do. They put pressure on us. They put pressure on us, and the pressures that you experience, those of our young, the young adults in here, the pressures of your life are different from the pressures of the old people in this room. Nevertheless, we all are living in, under circumstances and under our circumstances, we face and deal with trials. 
We'll always have them. They're always going to be there. We're never going to be without them. It's learning to walk with God in all of our circumstances. So Paul comes to these famous words. We all know them, but I want you to see them in context. He has great need. He has needs. And he says, not that I speak from want or not that I speak from need, verse 11, for I have learned... I have been schooled, I have been trained to be content in whatever circumstances. Now, I want you to see this as we've looked at it before, uh, because we've talked about whatever and anything before. Whatever and anything. I want you to go back and look at what he said over here in uh, 4.6. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he talks about the whatever. Think about the whatever and the anythings. But you see, I'm convinced that because Paul was practicing uh, the, the two spiritual disciplines we talked about and elaborated on for several weeks, the practice of prayer in verse number six, prayer as it's practiced properly produces and gives to us the peace of God and it guards our hearts and minds. And then he practiced thinking about the whatever and anything that's spiritual and honorable to God. And because he practiced those two things, he learned to be content. The peace of God produced a contentment. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. Notice it's this up and down. That's the way circumstances are. You got a high time, you got a low time. You, you've, got a, you've got a full time, you've got a hungry time. You've got an abundant time, and you've got a suffering time. This is the story of circumstances. This is the way life is. This is what we must teach our children. And this is what we must teach students who think that uh, somehow uh, life ought to be all good and no bad. No, it doesn't work that way. This is a, this is a description of circumstances. Humble means, prosperity, uh, abundance, uh, nothing, uh, filled and hungry, uh, all of it rolled together into life. And contentment is this idea of learning contentment. And I, again, say to you, as we pray and as we think deeply about the right things, it helps us maintain contentment. Paul had a lot to do. He was a man of means. He was ready to go. He was, a, he was ready to share the gospel, and here he sits. Here he sits in a Roman prison, but I want you to see by the end, I'll try to tie this together, there was a great reason why, there was a glorious gospel reason why Paul had to sit in jail. And it was to advance the gospel in a glorious way. God's best man. The irony of it. The Jew of Jews is sent to the Gentile world with the gospel. It's all backwards. None of us would plan it this way. But that's the way God does it. He doesn't do it our way. He does it His way. 
The Jew of Jews goes to the Gentiles. Is this a joke? And then the, the man of man, this one that he's called out to go, now sits in jail. Has God forgotten him? What's happened to him? Is his ministry life over? I've learned to be content. God had some things to teach Paul in his own development of his spiritual life in Christ's likeness. He was forming, he was sanctifying him, as we've talked about. We've used that word before. He's in the process of being made like Christ, and guess what? The circumstances, the ups, the downs, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the humble means, and the prosperity. And he says, in any and every circumstance, in verse 12, that covers it all. And everyone I'm speaking to tonight, as well as myself, are living in the any and every circumstance of life. And you will have them. You, won't, you cannot imagine today what some of the any and every circumstances may be in your life before you die and go to heaven. So we must learn to live with contentment. Believers experience this ability to uh, be contented because of verse 13. Here's the way this links together. He's He's giving this testimony of how he's learned in any and every circumstance uh, how to make it. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. I've learned the secret of both having abundance and suffering. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can withstand all the circumstances because of him who strengthens me. We live in the power of God. As I've given to you on your outline, I can do all things. That is, I can do any circumstance, any time of need, any time of prosperity through Christ who strengthens me. When Adoniram Judson went to Burma as a missionary, eight years before there was a convert, two wives die. He sits at their grave. Multiple children die. Had he made a mistake to go to Burma? Where's God in all the pain and all the suffering of this missionary? I could elaborate on multiple examples. I only use Adoniram Judson to remind us that when God calls us, He calls us to put the gospel first, not ourselves. When I come to know Jesus Christ, I surrender my rights. It's not about me anymore. It's about the advance of the gospel. And wherever God sends you in whatever circumstances He puts you in, as I've said before, He's placing you there so that you might be a witness for Christ. Paul reminds us of the power of God that helps us to endure and to be contented. Contentment is a form of endurance. I'll just give you some verses. Uh, when Paul was praying for the Colossian church, he was praying that the Colossian church would be strengthened with all power. It's Colossians 1.11. According to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously. I need the power of God in order to attain. Notice, this is something you achieve. I I need to be steadfast and patient. How am I going to do it? Only by the power of God. 
only by the power of God. I don't have enough will. Just get your willpower. Grit your teeth hard enough. Look in the mirror long enough. Have a talk with yourself long No, it never works. That's all of that silly happy talk. It doesn't amount to anything. You cannot read about contentment without linking verse 13 to his words. He's learned the secret of being filled. What is it? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He's living in the power of God. Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant to you. It's the second prayer of two prayers in the uh, letter to the Ephesians, uh, two prayers he has for that church, that he would grant to you the church according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in the inner man. It's the Holy Spirit of God who strengthens us on the inside our mind, our will, our emotions. By the way, did you notice this phrase? According to the riches of His glory. According to the riches of His glory. We'll see it in a, in a few minutes in uh, 419. My God will supply all your needs according to the riches of His glory. Everything we have comes because the Lord Jesus Christ has ascended to heaven. And all the vastness of the riches and glory of God are given to believers in order that we might accomplish our purposes in the world of sharing the gospel. Not just being happy people who walk around and live like spoiled brats. There's such a twistedness in some preaching today and teaching. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Remember, this is Paul's complaint. I asked the Lord three times to take the thorn in the flesh away. And what does the Lord say? Quote, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. So what does Paul say? Well, he learned a lesson, didn't he? Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses. Ah, there you go. So that the power of Christ may dwell in me. I submit to you that all of the circumstances you're trying to get out of, God's trying to use them in order for the power of God to be released and seen and experienced in your life. Well, I better move on or I'm going to get wound up on that. Number four, believers care for one another in their affliction. So what do we do now? Nevertheless, now he comes back to it. And by the way, we spent an, we've spent some real, uh, if, you, if you're with me, and not all of you are in here all the time, and that's okay. I'm not, I'm, uh, those of you who study with me on Wednesday nights, we've spent detailed time on contentment. And uh, my, my task tonight was not to go back through and talk about uh, uh, the importance of contentment. Uh, we, you know, we, we can, we, we've done that before. Tonight is about how believers care for believers and how they're cared for as they care for others. And contentment has to do with living in our circumstances without complaint, with indifference, frankly. The point is, who cares what my circumstances are? I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Who cares? Who cares what comes my way? This is the will of God. Give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. You see, that's indifference to my circumstances. Believers care for one another in their affliction. 
one of God's choice servants to advance the gospel, listen to me, had just enough, but not too much. Did you hear me? One of God's choicest servants. You would have thought that God would have served it all up to him. No, he left him in prison. He left him in prison with just enough, but not more than he needed. God, I need it, I need it. What do you need? You need exactly what God wants to give you. And not any more than that. I remind you of our Lord's words about this matter of taking care of one another and their needs. You know the Lord said in Matthew 6, 8, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Tonight, there's not any of us in this room who are followers of Jesus Christ. You are greatly loved by God, and He knows the circumstances you're in, and He knows what you need. But still, He leaves you in your circumstance. This seems strange, doesn't it? But you see, it's how the purposes of God are accomplished in our lives. They share their resources and their time with uh, Paul. Uh, you know, sometimes God uses uh, just a few to care for others. It's, it's kind of a sad few verses here. Look at this. Nevertheless, you've done all, you've done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me. But you alone. You are the only ones who helped me. If God has put somebody on your heart, a believer in Jesus Christ in affliction, don't not go. You may be the only one who sent. Go. Do what you... Well, I don't know if I have enough. Do what you have to do. You see, this is the point I'm making. The Philippians sacrificed themselves and Paul turns right around and says, because you've sacrificed, God will take care of you. They shared regardless of whether any other believers did it or not. They shared as often as they could in their affliction. Believers care for one another in their afflictions. Believers who care for others. You don't ask the believer in affliction. You just do your ministry to the believer in affliction. You carry it out. Believers who care for others are blessed by God. This is that beautiful phrase he says here. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Oh, the, oh, the profit that comes when you take the opportunity to minister in the name of Jesus Christ to a fellow brother or sister in Christ. Oh, what comes... It is that matter of storing up treasure in heaven. It is a matter of investing in heaven. You don't do it for the crown. You don't do it for the reward. But there is reward. There is honor. There is recognition from God. So tonight I'm challenging all of you as well as myself. Remember the Philippians cared for a man who had no one else to care for him. Who had shared the gospel with them. And they didn't forget him. 
Is there a believer that you know that's been forgotten in their affliction? They're part of this church? If you know them, do something about it. Do something about it. Well, believers bless... uh, Believers bless the believer they care for in their afflictions. That's what Paul says now here. He says in 18, I have received everything in full. Now, let's get these phrases together. Verse 10, at last you have revived your concern for me. At last you've come. At last I've received, at last. We know that phrase, at last. It means I didn't think it was going to happen. But here at the end, at last. You have come and ministered to me. And now, tie that to verse 18. I have received everything in full. I have exactly what I need because you, Philippians, have done your ministry. I am amply supplied. Look at verse 18. Having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, and he describes it here as one of those, it's that great phrase from the Old Testament that had to do with the offerings as they burned. They were a fragrant aroma before God. A fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Your gift, your ministry to others is is an act of sacrifice to God. So we go and so we do it. Well, God provides for those who care for others. This is not this uh, get rich by doing ministry to others kind of preaching that goes around. That's about silly as can be. If you do for everybody else, you'll get rich. What in the world? No. We do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ regardless of whether anything happens or not. But I promise you this. When God sees what we do and uses us to do it, He turns right around and helps us with what we need. That's the amazing thing about how God takes us and uses us and then blesses us in return. And some of you in this room have been like me. You've been the recipients of that and you've experienced that. Don't forget that. That's why you keep ministering to other people. We don't blow the trumpet. We don't sound, we don't clang the cymbals. We just go do it quietly. We do it secretly. What did the Lord Jesus say? Do it it secretly. Don't let your right hand know what your left is doing. That's pretty secret. Just go do it. Just go do the work. Find those believers in affliction. And remember this. The Lord does know what you need before you ask. I've quoted here from 2 Corinthians 9. You remember 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is that wonderful section in Corinthians where Paul's collecting the offering for the church at Jerusalem. And uh, he's talking about this wonderful blessing of grace giving. And he describes grace giving, but here he comes to it as he, uh, the, the, the joy of grace giving, which is what we all do as believers in Christ. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. He's describing now to the Corinthians who were such givers. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, You may have an abundance for every good deed. Notice, God gives me what I need in order to do what He wants me to do for the glory of God. Not so I can put it in the bank. Not so I can be rich. He gives me what He gives me 
sufficiently in order that I have an abundance to do ministry. And all of us are to do ministry. All of us are to carry out our servant work. Well, what do we learn from all of this tonight? I have just a couple of things I want you to remember. Number one, whatever my circumstances, as a believer in Christ, I can endure only by the power of Christ. The reason why some of you are tired is because you're trying to endure in your own strength. And it's never going to work. You're going to get tired. You're going to get in despair. You're going to, uh, sadly, you may go back to sin. You may give up. No. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. All my circumstances, because my circumstances help me to advance the gospel. This is the order. Learning to be indifferent to my circumstances helps me avoid despair, unbelief, or fear. I, I submit this to you. I talk to people all the time. It's, my, it's part of my task, and I'm, I'm glad to do it. But I spend a lot of time with people talking about their circumstance, not about God. It's, all, it's always about the circumstance. It's not about God. It's always about the circumstance. It's not about holiness. And the gospel. And I'm sad when I hear some of the stories about their circumstances. And you'd be sad if you heard all of mine. We all have our circumstances. But indifference, holy indifference to my circumstances is a form of contentment. That's what contentment is. It's holy indifference. H-O-L-Y. Holy indifference. I'm indifferent to it. If I have much, great. If I have little, great. God will give me what I need in order for me to do what He's called me to do until I am gone from this earth. You know, we talked about running to heaven in an earlier chapter. We're running for heaven. We're reaching to the things that are beyond this world. Why in the world am I so worried about my circumstances here? I'm running for heaven. I'm running for heaven, fixing my eyes on the Lord Jesus. God has designed that believers take care of believers. We read this earlier, and we spent a lot of time on it in Philippians chapter 2. By the way, Philippians 2.4 is not a verse about being nosy. It's a verse about doing ministry. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Look around you, my brothers and sisters. Look around you in our church. Look around you. You have to look to see it. You have to look carefully. You have to watch. You have to see beyond the surface. You have to, you have to hear beyond the words. Do you see a brother or sister in affliction? You have a task. Your job is to look out for the interests of others beyond yourself. That's what it means to do ministry. And God has designed that believers take care of believers. God uses believers to bless afflicted believers in their difficulties, and nothing brings greater satisfaction than seeing the joyfulness of those who receive our ministry care. As I, I didn't add, the, I did add this note to as I minister to others. Listen, God ministers to me. Through others. Through others. 
They had names, folks. They had Epaphroditus. Here he is. Here's the messenger. Here's the one who had the privilege to go. Can you imagine what Epaphroditus saw when he heard Paul say, At last, you have come. At last. Think about Paul when he told Timothy, sadly, at the end of his life, Bring my coat. He didn't say, bring all my clothes. Bring my coat. Bring my books and bring my coat. This is the man who advanced the gospel and planted churches beyond our wildest imagination who had just enough but all he needed to do his work. Well, Paul's example of spiritual contentment is clear. I'll put you three phrases down here for you to remember as we close Philippians tonight. My circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. You see, he's saying my circumstances are me. I am my circumstances. And I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, we read these wonderful words as we conclude. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Wait a minute. Hold on here. Caesar's household? You mean God had believers in Caesar's household? Well, we begin this letter with an interesting phrase. We, 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 see, it, uh, we see it when he's talking about his circumstances. And he says in chapter 1, verse 13, My circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. My imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known through the whole Praetorian Guard. They were the guard given to take care of the Emperor of Rome. Lord, why am I in prison? Because I'm going to call out my people. I'm going to call out those who will be saved who are right inside serving the emperor of Rome. You can't get any closer to the power than that. And he ends this letter with a little hint of why he went through all he went through. You're in jail in order to share and plant the gospel seeds in the emperor's house. So where has God put you? Why is God putting you through the circumstances He's putting you through? Well, He ends by saying what I will end with tonight. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. You know, Paul starts with grace and he ends with grace. Philippians 1-2, grace to you and peace from our Father from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and tonight the grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit.
Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God. What a joy it is for us to see the testimony of how you worked in the life of Paul the Apostle. You have done this multiple, multiple thousands upon thousands and millions of times through these thousands of years as the gospel has been shared from generation to generation. You have used missionaries. You have found missionaries have gone to the ends of the earth with just enough. They've gotten there thinking there's nothing left and you always have given them just what they need in order to accomplish their purpose. And here we sit. Here we sit as American Christians with opportunity. May you open our eyes to see those afflicted believers around us who have need and may we, may we, be, your, may we be your hands and feet May we be the blessing to them that you put upon our heart because we know you will take care of our needs as we take care of the needs of others. That's the way you've designed us to work with one another. Make our church a ministering church to one another so that our people may say, I am full, I am amply supplied, I have everything I need because God has used his people to minister. We thank you for the word of God and we pray that you'd bless our time now as we go. May we think on these things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, God bless you. Good to see all of you. Uh, beginning in August, we're going to begin to study with my group on Moses, a man who heard from God. Next week, we'll, uh, we'll just do a, uh, something I'll have for you that's different. Just, it's not in a series, but I want to share some things with you. So God bless you. Say hello to somebody on your way out. And uh, I hope you have a great week. See you Sunday.